Resident Bible scholar. Oh, gosh, the pressure just went right up, didn't it? <laughs> I think we're all Bible scholars. We should all be loving the Word of God and enjoying uh, learning and, and understanding more deeply what he says. And you know what? One of the things I noticed in the passage that we're looking at, we're, we're studying the book of Philippians, was the way Paul greets his beloved brothers and sisters. And I just want to greet you all like that this morning. To all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Trinity Church and all visitors, together with the overseers and leaders, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning, everyone. Now I feel I can greet you properly. I greeted you the way Paul greets, and it's just so simple and beautiful. So as a reminder, we are... Um, now studying the book of Philippians, we started last week and we looked at just how much Paul loved this church. It was the first church he planted, so I guess he, they had a soft spot in his heart. And the Philippians were based in Philippi, which was a Roman colony in Macedonia, which is northern Greece. And he's writing to them and encouraging them um, to remain joyful in partnership for the gospel and to advance in knowledge and discernment. And he says, I want you to be abounding in love and fruitful for the gospel. Isn't that lovely? And we also prayed that we would be that kind of church rooted in a culture of thanksgiving. If we have a grateful heart, God does amazing things through us because we see things the way he sees them the moment we, we step into a culture of gratitude. And we also focused on the verse where it says, he, as in Jesus, who began a good work in you will see it to completion. It's not, he's not finished yet with any of us. So if any of you think you're the finished product, I'm sorry, you're not. You've got a way to go. And today we're going to look at the next portion of scripture, which teaches us about advancing the gospel in all circumstances, whatever is going on. And uh, we're going to now read the passage in three different versions. Can I invite the readers to come down? We've got Nathan. Can, can we welcome our readers? We've got Nathan is going to read from the ESV version. And then um, we're going to have it from Annie in the Filipino language. Last week, I know, I've, we're so blessed in this church. Can I just say, we are a glimpse of the kingdom in this church. We've got every continent represented. We've got people from Europe, um, Asia, Africa, Australia, Brendan, <laughs> holding the banner up for Australia. Abby's not here today, but Abby's from America, from the United States. We are so blessed, and that is a glimpse of God's kingdom. So it's great that we will hear it in Filipino. How many Filipino speakers do we have? Or those, oh my goodness, we've got a crowd today here for you, Annie. <laughs> and then Mimi will end reading it in the New Living Translation, which is a more modern one. So over to you, Nathan. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest, of, to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of all, my brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. 
Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. Thank you. Annie, sorry. Oh, you got that one? Right. Annie. I'm going to read in our language, Ngayon, ibig ko na inyong malaman, mga kapatid, na ang mga bagay na nangyari sa akin ay nangyari na sa lalong ikasusulong ng Ibanghelyo. Ano pat ang aking mga tanikala kay Kristo ay naihayag sa lahat ng mga bantay ng pritorio at sa mga iba't iba pa. At ang karamihan sa mga kapatid sa Panginoon na palibhasay may pagkakatiwala sa ating mga tanikala ay lalong nagkakaroon ng tapang upang salitaing walang takot ang salita ng Diyos. Tunay na ipinapangaral ng iba si Kristo sa kapanaghilaayan at sa pakikipagtalo at ng mga iba naman sa mabuting kalooban. Ang isa'y gumagawa nito sa pag-ibig, palibhasay nalalaman na ako'y nalalagay sa pagsasanggalang ng Ibanghelyo. Datapwat itinatanyag ng iba si Kristo dahil sa pagkakampi-kampi, hindi sa pagtatapat na ang iniisip ay dalhan ako ng kapikatian sa aking mga tanikala. Ano nga, gayunman, sa lahat ng paraan, maging sa pagdadahilan o sa katotohanan, ay itinatanyag si Kristo. At sa ganito'y nagagalak ako, oo, at ako'y nagagalak. Amen. Thank you, Annie. I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. It's true, some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know I've been appointed to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my chains more painful to me. But that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. Amen. Oh, thank you, readers. You know, last week, I don't know if I said this, I do repeat myself a bit, but last week we heard it in Yoruba, a Nigerian language. So this week we've heard it in Filipino and hopefully we'll keep because we have lots of languages in our church. Anyway, there we have it. That's our passage today. And I feel that our worship was so tied up with the word of God. It was like closely linked. You know that in times of trouble, when things are difficult, how do we respond? The measure of a Christian's maturity is what it takes to knock him or shake him or her from the road ahead. And, you know, Paul's maturity is so very evident and explicit in this passage. He's writing to the Philippians to reassure them that what has happened, because they're deeply concerned, they've heard that Paul is in prison, 
But what has happened may be all part of God's plan. You know, this is how Paul responded to things. We need to know something about Paul. Paul was obsessed with the gospel. He was very, very driven. Everything in his life was tied up with advancing the gospel. Anything else was just futile. If it didn't involve advancing the gospel, then it was pointless. So we need to understand that about Paul. And um, Paul is writing to the Philippians whilst he is in prison. He is in Rome. He is imprisoned. But he is in house arrest. So unlike a nasty, stinky jail cell, he's actually in a house that the prisoner would have to rent. They have to pay the rent and he would have to get his own food provided for. So he was relying heavily on the brothers and sisters to help him. And obviously it's better than being in a jail cell, but it does mean that he is chained for 24 hours a day to a guard. So the guards were on a rotor system. They would come every 12 hours, you'd get a different guard and they would chain themselves. And Paul was in this captivity for two years. So for two years, he had no privacy. But it meant he could receive visitors to the house. So he continued preaching and teaching and blessing and he continued to show grace and kindness and love and obsessing about Jesus and all things that Jesus had done whilst attached to a guard. And so far from grumbling and complaining, he's talking about this with great enthusiasm. He says, I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, this is translated from the Greek where it's, it's very emphatic. Listen up, guys. What has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. So the palace guards, these were the uh, Praetorian guards, they were the highest regiment because they were tasked with protecting the emperor and, and, hold, and making sure there was peace in the city of Rome. They were hearing the gospel message day and night, day and night. They were witnessing Paul, you know, being full of grace and kindness and possibly reporting back to their families, reporting to other guards. And the message was infiltrating at the highest level. So rather than Paul seeing this as a disaster, he was seeing this as a great opportunity. Do you know, years ago, and I, I still know her, I knew a lady, I know a lady in my old church where I grew up, who just went through a series of calamities her husband died when her children were very small. She had a three-year-old twins and a two-year-old who, who was a disabled child. And she came home one day from work. Her husband was watching the children and she found him dead. He was in his early 30s. He died of an aneurysm. So she was left alone to raise small children, of which one severely disabled. She then married again a few years later, but her husband died of cancer second husband and then one day not long after her son one of the twins just died in his sleep absolutely nothing wrong with him they did the autopsy they tried to find something maybe he had a congenital heart disease or something nothing it was called adult sudden he was a young adult adult sudden death a bit like cot death but it's very rare so I don't want you all worrying it's very very unusual very rare but she went through 
just calamity after calamity, but all along she never lost her faith. She just kept saying in the middle of her tears and her brokenness, I believe God is doing something. And I think what he was doing was encouraging, encouraging us. Because what then Paul says here in the next passage is, and because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. What might have been seen as a complete disaster to some of the believers was actually seen as a, a, an opportunity. When they saw the way Paul was responding, it encouraged them. And like, well, if, if Paul, who is going through this hardship, can respond like this, like, guys, this is great. This is an opportunity to spread the gospel. If Paul can do it, so can we. Some would have been bewildered. But it's sometimes through the tough times that the kingdom advances. If we remember in the early days of the church, a beloved brother, Stephen, was stoned to death for preaching. And then a persecution on another level kicked off and the church had to scatter. You know, they were so close. They were a tight-knit community. Do we remember what it says in Acts 2? They shared everything. They shared their whole life together. They broke bread together every day. They would hang out together. They shared all their possessions, and suddenly they had to separate and scatter. But it was in that scattering that the church spread. It went beyond Jerusalem. And here we are today in London, in Collindale. Our example to difficult times is what will make a big difference. It, will, it makes a difference to how people see the gospel and it makes a difference to how our brothers and sisters are encouraged. I'm gonna tell you another story, actually a, a really sad story in a way, a very good friend of mine, someone I grew up with. I grew up with him, we grew up in the same church, our parents were good friends. Um, he and his wife uh, went through the horror that a parent can go through in June 2020. Uh, their daughter, who had just graduated with a first-class degree, lots of promise, a wonderful girl, graduated in Middle Eastern studies, and her heart was for peace in the Middle East. She'd spent a year as part of her course in the Middle East, and she was um, very much um, planning a career in peacekeeping and uh, relations with the Middle East and that. And she was killed in a car crash, June 2020, at the height of lockdown, when we didn't even know if we were going to survive and they lost their daughter. Just in a moment, life changed. And of course, the horror that swept through the friends and relatives and, and obviously them and the church they're part of. They're part of a big church. They had seen this girl. They knew her from birth. They'd seen her grow up, and she had served in the church. And it just, it just broke everyone's heart. And what to do? What can we do to bless them and help them? Very, very hard. There's nothing you can really do. It was lockdown, so even worse. Um, but what the church did the very next day was call a, a prayer meeting on Zoom. At the time, you could only have maximum 100. They had people in the waiting room, waiting. The people wanted to do something for them. They wanted to show their love in any way they could. And the great thing is that my friend's wife was a volunteer at the time in a food bank. And one of the volunteers from the food bank, an unbeliever, she didn't believe, but 
she was there, part of the food bank. She came to the prayer meeting because she wanted to, she didn't know what to do for them. You know, they're going through this horror. She came to the prayer meeting and she saw my friend and his wife were there on Zoom and the whole church were there praying and blessing and trusting and relying on God in the middle of this pain. And what she saw, she said, I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen such faith. How can you, in the middle of all this, believe? She said, it must be real. And you know, she, not long after she was baptised, this lady, as out of their tragedy, God did something amazing. The gospel advanced. And apparently this lady who got baptised is this incredible event. She won't stop telling people about what she's seen, what she's heard, what God has done, what God is doing. So the gospel is spreading out of their tragedy. It's easy to be a Christian when all is going well, isn't it? But do we hold on to the promise where Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, he says. In other words, be encouraged, I have overcome the world. So he's saying there's something way bigger for all of us. Do we come across full of peace when we're facing challenges? Now, I'm not talking about being sad, being frustrated, upset, angry even. That's perfectly normal. These are temporary feelings that we as humans have when things go wrong. It's normal. We are not to be ashamed of those feelings. I'm talking about a deep joy that can't be taken away in spite of troubles. And that was my friends. They lost their daughter. Her name was Juliana. She was a real person. She left an, an incredible legacy, even though she was only 22. But that deep joy cannot be taken away because that is a gift from the Holy Spirit. Yeah? And when we look at the final part of our passage, oh my goodness, it's only 11.33. What happened today? <laughs> We're going to go home early, everyone. You'll be very, very happy to know. <laughs> if stomachs are rumbling, say, hold on, she's nearly done. <laughs> the last part of our passage says, it's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry, but others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. So Paul had some really good friends, people who really got him, and they understood him. And they, he was intense. Can you imagine having a Paul that's just, that's all he does, bang on about the gospel. He's got nothing else in his life, no other interest. You want to talk to him about football, Arsenal supporters? You want to talk to him about cooking? He's not interested. <laughs> He's like, will it advance the gospel? I'll tell you what, I'll come to your football match if I can talk about Jesus. That'd be Paul. Would you want him as a friend? Would you want him at your party? <laughs> Would you want to employ him, Jerry? He'd be telling those kids nonstop, unless you give your life to Jesus, everything is futile. But he had friends. He had people who understood and got his passion. But there were others who do not have pure motives as they preach about Christ. They preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely, intending to make my chains more painful to me. I just wonder what they were saying about him. 
They must have been saying some nasty things about Paul, like, well, he deserves, he's obviously done something. You don't go to prison for nothing. No smoke without fire. You know those sayings? But that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached either way. So I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. <laughs> Paul's like, nothing's going to rob me of my joy. If Christ is being preached, so be it. You know, just like Jesus faced in his ministry on earth, Paul faced many critics. He faced them from the Jewish groups. He faced them from the pagan groups, the unbelievers, the atheists, all of them. They criticized him. But let me tell you, one of the most discouraging experiences for a Christian is when you are criticized, falsely accused by fellow believers, by your own people. Where you think, what? Supposed to, we're on this, we're, you know, same God, same Jesus. It might look a little different. We all have a different style. We might interpret some doctrines differently. But as long as Jesus is preached and lives are being changed and people are giving their life born again, what, why are we criticizing each other? And yet that's exactly what was happening. And sadly, it's still happening, isn't it? People were taking advantage of Paul's imprisonment to malign him and, like I said, maybe insinuate that he deserved it. They were envious of Paul, Paul's success, Paul's genuineness, Paul's grace, Paul's love, abounding love for Jesus. They were jealous and envious and they took advantage. You know, John Bunyan, he was a famous English author and preacher in the 17th century, he was imprisoned for preaching without a license. That'd be me right now, they'd be cutting me off. Initially, he went in for three months, but because he wouldn't guarantee that he'd stop preaching, he stayed in prison for 12 years. At first, he continued preaching in the prison courtyard in Bedford. That's where he was located. He apparently, he preached in the prison courtyard so the prisoners would hear and outsiders were coming and standing outside the prison walls to listen to the powerful preaching. So they stuck him in a cell to stop him. And that's where he wrote one of his greatest works, A Pilgrim's Progress. And that book was number two to the Bible for many, many years and has touched many lives. God will use anything if we let him. John Bunyan didn't sit in prison saying, well, Lord, thank you very much. Look what's happened. Everything I've done and I'm stuck in this nasty prison. He was like, I'm not wasting this. I can't stop myself, just like Paul. There was a young man around 1961 in Sicily. He was about 21, 20 years old and he grew up in a Catholic family this is not a Catholicism at the time that was alive and vibrant and full of life. It was very, very rigid, lots of rules, lots of guilt. And he was very much part of that culture. But he reached an age around 20 where he was a bit despondent. Actually, he not only, he says, not only did he not believe anymore, he didn't even care. So if somebody said to him, are you a believer or are you an atheist? His answer would be like, I don't care. Get away from me with your nonsense. That's how he felt. 
and uh, due to some financial difficulties he had to go and work in a factory and he was quite a clever guy he was at university but money was tight 1961 there was no not a lot of money and he had to go and work and he worked in a place that he recalls as being a very dark place he was placed inside an off a windowless office no window so it was dark but he also says it was just dark the guys were just nasty the banter was crude it was rough but he recalls that there was one man who was just lovely full of grace so kind always very very courteous to the colleagues gentle but they made fun of him called him all sorts of names said he was an idiot he was a cretin he's illiterate because he'd only gone to school until the age of six they called him all sorts of names and the young man said i don't understand what is what is it he's done exactly he's so nice they said oh he's one of those born again christians weirdo stay away from him well the young man who was so bored and despondent and just fed up with life said well i've got nothing to lose i'm going to debate with this guy about the bible and this older he was a little bit older than him the other guy he was about 13 years older than him full of grace he took every bullet he took every dart thrown at him and he answered everything and believe it or not he was semi-literate he had stopped going to school at the age of six but he had memorized the bible because it was just so powerful for him and so the young man sat and spoke to him and they enjoyed lots of chats and eventually holy spirit broke through because that's what happens and the young man then gave his life to Christ he was born again and you know what the older guy or by the way his surname is prophet what a great name to have if you're going to speak a message yeah in Italian profeta prophet great name <laughs> you're going to be a messenger of God right the older guy lost his job for that they said he was a bad influence he was you know the young man's dad went to the factory and said this guy he's brainwashed my son he's turned him into one of them you know this is the nightmare but he's preaching the same Jesus same God and yet there was this horrendous criticism this hatred this fear older guy lost his job young man lost his job now the young man was bereft what can I do? He said to the older guy, what can I do? I'll, listen, I'll take it all back. I'll go and tell them that it was just a misunderstanding. Do you know what the older guy said? He said, what? And take away my joy? I've, I've seen you blossom. I've seen you give your life to Christ. Don't worry about me. And this was a man with five children to feed at a time when there was no benefit system. There was, but he was like, no, don't do that nothing nothing will separate you from the love of Jesus so you hold on tight I'll tell you something that young man is now 82 and Mr. Prophet is still going strong he's 94 they're still loving Jesus and Mr. Prophet has quite a great legacy because the young man is my dad here I am the fruit and the fruit continues Marco, the girls, anyone we talk to, yeah, our friends, are oh, they know, they see, they see the way we live, they see what a big part church is. I'm the eldest of fives. So my brothers and sisters are all believers. What a legacy, the courage of that man. He didn't care if he lost his job. He was not going to stop talking about Jesus if it meant 
advancing the gospel, advancing the gospel in all circumstances. You know, I'd like to think that none of us will go through anything like Paul. Let's hope, yeah? Paul was beaten, flogged, imprisoned more than once and eventually executed. My, our prayer is that none of us ever go through anything like that. But we might be going through daily struggles. You know, as I was preparing for this, it took me to something about Paul, where Paul talks about having a thorn in the flesh. Have we all heard that expression? Or some of us have heard that expression, a thorn in the flesh. So Paul, despite his absolute love and obsession with Jesus, completely sold out for the gospel, he says that um, he was given a thorn in the flesh. And um, when we look at that passage, which is found in 2 Corinthians, I think we've got it, 2 Corinthians, Paul, in the beginning of the passage, he says that he was taken up 14 years prior. So he's talking about the thorn in the flesh 14 years on. He had been taken up to the third heaven and he had heard things that are unspeakable. He had received revelations that were just incredible. And he said, I could boast. If I'm going to boast about anything, I could boast about that. But he says, even though I had received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses. There's a ver there's the, the message version says, I thank God for the gift of my handicap. And in the insults, hardships, persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ, for when I am weak, then I am strong. And as I looked at this, I thought, you know what? We've all, hopefully, we've all got a thorn in the flesh because it's in that weakness that we cling to Christ. We are tethered to him, right? I know it's painful. I know it's hard. And some of us have got multiple thorns. But it helps keep us close to God. You know, you might be struggling with anger, issues of control. These are a day-to-day -day, day -day struggle, yeah? Lack of confidence, jealousy and envy of others. You might be the one who feels the jealousy and envy as you see others progress. You feel looked every time you get passed over or every time you apply for a job, you don't even get an interview. It hurts because you put a lot of effort into that. Or you go for an interview and you really make yourself vulnerable. And you don't get the job. Low self-worth, arrogance, self-reliance, pride, like Paul. It sounds like Paul had a tendency towards pride. And so it says in the passage, God gave him a thorn in the flesh, a messenger from Satan. I love how God uses everything, even Satan to torment him. So there must have been something. Maybe Paul was riddled with guilt 
from the previous person. He persecuted the Christians horrendously before he came to Christ. Maybe he was being reminded of the people that had died, the martyrs, or anxiety. I especially felt very strongly as I was preparing something around anxiety in leadership. Those of you who are leaders of some kind, you might, be, you might just be leading your family or leading at work. Uh, people that rely on you or look to you. You know, they're literally waiting on you for answers, for, for, for guidance. And on the outside, you're a sea of tranquility and perfection. And on the inside, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Well, you're having to step away, breathe. I don't know if I can do it, but I'm going to do it. I have to do it. They're relying on me. You know, that kind of, that constant, that anxiety that doesn't go away, that's there, that torment, Satan tormenting voices that tell us that, you know, sometimes we are all for praying for healing because God does heal. But sometimes could be the one thing that keeps us close to God. And we need to almost embrace it so that we can see our biggest spiritual growth. Jesus shines brightest in the darkness. So when our life is dark, that's when he can really shine through. And if you think your life is a mess, let me tell you, there's somebody who needs to see a messy Christian holding on to Jesus with everything they got, you know? Imagine being out at sea and all you've got is a rock, you know, holding on to Jesus like that. Sometimes that's exactly what someone needs to see, to be encouraged, to be full of faith. Yeah? God will use everything. Now, I want to say something. We do not glorify our weaknesses. We do not glorify our challenges. We glorify the one who sustains us throughout it all. And that's why Paul was able to see God in all things. And as he says in Romans, God works together for the good. Everything works together for the good of those who love him. I want to pray for us now. I want to invite you to stand. Uh, while the band return. And I just want to pray... A few things, and if and I just invite you to just um, bring before God any uh, your thorn in the flesh, and either ask Him to remove it. Where Paul says, "I begged three times." This was not some simple little piddly prayer. He begged. I reckon he was fasting, and he was on his knees and negotiating, and and begging, and pleading, and and trying to make a deal with God. But three times, God said, "My grace is sufficient." So I want you to know whatever you're going through, if it is the anger, the control, the anxiety, uh, the, you know, the, the jealousy, whatever, you know, everybody knows their own heart, then bring it before him now and, and say, thank you for keeping me tethered to you, first of all. And secondly, Lord, if it be your will. I forgot to mention I heard a sermon by Artie Kendall about this, where he says that sometimes that thorn in the flesh will get taken away at the right time, where you don't need it anymore, or you might have it all the way through your life, just like Paul did. Paul was not healed. He then relied on God throughout. Heavenly Father, we thank you that nothing is wasted in your kingdom, nothing. 
We thank you that you use all things for your good, for your purposes. We thank you for the way the gospel advances in spite of troubles, the way the gospel advances because of troubles sometimes. And we thank you that Paul's example to us is to rejoice in all circumstances. And yes, we will rejoice. We thank you for the struggles that keep us close to you, that keep us on our knees. I want to pray now for strength for each one of us to see every good and bad moment as an opportunity for gospel advancement. That we would be like Paul, not grumbling or complaining, but rejoicing. I want to pray for strength during the dark times, because this is easier said than done. But during the dark times, even when we're brokenhearted and sad and, and frustrated and upset, our joy remains untouched. I want to pray that we will be more and more on fire for the gospel and for the kingdom to advance, that we will be more like Paul, just, just completely driven in what we do, but full of grace, abounding in love and fruitful. And I want to pray for that spiritual maturity that we will continue to grow as the enemy tries to rob us, we just become stronger because when we are weak, that is when we're strong because you can shine. When we're in darkness, you shine through. And I thank you for each and every broken and messy life here today because it's through each one of these that the gospel will advance. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.